Hello, with me today is Tom Slater, co-manager of Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust, which has just published a, a strong set of annual results uh, showing a growth in the portfolio of over 13% to the end of March. But what's been really striking has been the strength of the performance in the shares uh, since then, uh, up 23% or thereabouts, uh, and, and giving the, the Scottish Mortgage its first time a valuation of 10 billion pounds. So Tom, um, a lot of people have been uh, surprised by the strength of Scottish Mortgage's performance during the uh, coronavirus crash. Uh, and um, uh, I, what, you know, particularly maybe thinking of the performance of the trust in the last financial crisis when you know, the long term performance is good, but uh, there was a steep fall back then. Um, that hasn't happened to such an extent this time. Were, were you surprised by the resilience of the portfolio? I think um, I think you have to look at the nature of the crisis. And um, what we've seen is that some of these transformations that have been playing out over past years and, and decades have being compressed into a, a much shorter time horizon. Um, you know, people have been increasingly socializing using online tools. Um, when, you, when you're trapped at home, um, you obviously significantly increase your usage. Um, you know, we've, we've seen the transformation of the enterprise and people um, moving away from paper-based processes to digital processes. If you can only work from home, then um, you, you really have little choice but to embrace these digital tools, um, and so um, I think you just you've just seen this sort of um, this this marked acceleration in um, in in the take up of of, of these services, um, and you know, I, I guess the core of what we do at Scottish Mortgage is try to identify the big drivers of change, the big opportunities. That are you know and and back them over very long periods of time, um, and you know, if you can identify ro robust companies um, which 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 are strong financially, which have um, visionary leadership, um, then you can't ever predict what's going to happen in the short run. But you you can aspire to have a portfolio of companies that are going to handle whatever is thrown at them, um, and I think that's that's what we've lived lived through in the recent weeks. And do you, is there a certain amount of vindication that you and James Anderson feel? Uh, because uh, you've both been predicting for the past few years that there were great swathes of the FTSE 100. Uh, there's some big stocks there, looked very vulnerable. Uh, has the coronavirus you know, accelerated? Uh, we've seen the, uh, the, the oil price collapse. We've seen Shell cut its dividend. You know, some of these big bastions of the FTSE 100 having a very difficult time. Um, that's, you've avoided these areas. Um, you're investing in, in, in companies that are benefiting from the change away from that, the new world. So you know, people did associate, associate you with kind of like technology-backed investments, which would be more, volatile, more high growth, more volatile. There's been volatility there, but it's been to a less extent than, than other uh, stock market funds. We only um, own shares in businesses. We, we, we're not short sellers. We don't ever bet against um, companies. Um, so... We, we we take no pleasure in in companies struggling. We um, you know there's clearly a lot of of hardship out there, and there's a lot of difficult times for for, for people. Um, but I think what's really important is is for active managers who charge active management fees, um, not simply to invest uh, broadly across the market to give people an exposure. To 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 you know the the a broad swathe of, of what's going you know going on today, 
Instead, if you're going to charge active management fees, you, you want an, um, managers who are going to take a view on what's changing in the, in the future, you know, wh where the opportunities are going to, be, are going, to, going to be over the next five or 10 years, um, and, and offer an exposure which is very different from the one you get just by investing broadly across the market. Um, and I think you know, the, the, the new opportunities come um, from areas where the traditional ways of doing things are, are starting to encounter significant challenges. You know, where, where if something's always been done in a particular way, but the costs of doing that increase, or the, um, you know, if you take the, the example of, of energy generation, you know, the, the, you know, the, 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 it has, um, the traditional um, carbon intensive way of doing things has driven huge economic progress across the past hundred years. Um, but you know, you're now, now at a point where you can see that the costs of continuing to drive growth through that model are starting to outweigh the benefits. Right? If that's the circumstances, well, who are the, you know, there are going to be people, there are going to be companies that are going to exploit that opportunity and create huge value for shareholders. So our job is to find those individuals, find those companies, and then back them for the long term. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was striking reading the, the results today. I mean, uh, myself and most other people are, you know, were stuck within this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. It's very hard to see, you know, you know what's going on, where we're going. Uh, and you and James are saying, you know, saying renewable energy, the move to the rise of renewable energy and, and the electrification of transport, you know, that's more significant than, than the pandemic. Can you say a bit more about why that is? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what we're living through is um, um, a predictable um, shock to the global economy. You know, if you look at what scientists have, have been saying in, in, in the areas of epidemiology and, and virology, you know, this isn't an event that is, you know, in Taleb's terms, a black swan. This is entirely predictable by science. Um, and it's had devastating economic consequences. Well, it, you know, it doesn't take a genius to, to join the dots to that and, and what we see in climate change. You know, the, the scientists have been increasingly strident about the challenges we face. Um, you know, we've, we've had an extreme example of the impact that can have on the economy. Um, so, um, you know, and, and, and then at the same time, um, you know, you've, even before the, the, the lockdown and the crisis hit, You've seen a massive decline in, in oil prices, in the, um, the share prices of the, of the major oil producers. You know, I, I think there's something, some, some um, valuable information in what the market has been telling us, even in the, in the, in, in the pre-COVID times. Um, and, and I think it is in part just a consequence of this, this long-term decline in the cost of energy generation from from um, renewable sources, this long-run decline in the cost of um, energy storage and batteries. Um, I, th I think predicting the, the you know, macroeconomic variables is, is almost impossible, but actually you've had some really predictable trends that have been driving this change. You know, cost of generating electricity from solar minus 20% a year, something of that order. Um, um, cost of energy storage, but about double-digit declines, yeah. um, and and those things don't play out in one spectacular moment in one particular year. But the cumulative impact of those changes eventually becomes, you know, very challenging to the status quo. 
Yeah. Now, two of the biggest holdings, Tesla uh, is now was briefly the biggest holding in, in the company, but now Amazon is back to its uh, previous position. But those are also big, significant US companies doing exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, you're, you, it's been a quiet year, relatively quiet year in terms of, the, in terms of portfolio changes. Uh, so Amazon's back at number one, uh, over 9% of, of, of assets. Can you remind us about why, you know, why do you still retain so much conviction uh, in that company? Yeah, well, if you take, take, take Amazon and, and look at what's, what's been happening recently, um, you know, the, they have been faced with a situation where um, they're not demand constrained. You know, as we've been unable to, to, to go out and shop, you know, people have relied more and more heavily on this company. It is in the infrastructure of our commercial economy. Um, and, and we've been really encouraged by how they've responded to that challenge. Um, you know, it's, it's um, you know, we're not, we're not trying to, um, you know, this, this is not an opportunity to make lots of money in the short run. Instead, we've just seen the typical Amazon playbook, um, which is, first of all, you know, we need to do our, our role as a good um, corporate citizen and really help to be part of the solution to the massive problems that people are facing. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're having all of these customers who are looking at, you know, are, are, are depending on us for a much broader range of products than they have historically. You know, that potentially is a behavior change which could, could drive demand for the next decade. Similarly, there's lots of people that haven't used the service that are now trying it out. Um, so what do you do under that circumstances where it's not, you sort of sit back and say, wow, this is fantastic. Look at all this extra money we're making. Instead, their response is, right, we're gonna go out and we're gonna invest $4 billion in response to what's happening in our business at the moment. You know, we're going to be leaders from this perspective of um, safety of employees. Um, and we're going to, we're going to drive wages for our employees through this period. Um, um, you, you, know, you, you were going to take on a huge number of new employees. I think 175,000 new employees they took on in, in, in the previous quarter. Um, and that's at a time when everybody else is retrenching. You know, show me a physical retailer which won't be running its business for cash over the next six months. How do we get our balance sheet back in shape? How do we get rid of stock? Um, how do we cut our costs accordingly? Can we renegotiate on our rents? Um, and you know, while everybody else is retrenching, they've put their foot on the accelerator, $4 billion. You know, what happens to the relative competitive position over the next decade is, you know, to me, is, it's abundantly clear. And, and I think you see that more broadly across the portfolio. In times of stress, the leading companies aren't focused on shoring up their financial position. Um, instead, they're they they can get on and invest and and grasp the new opportunities and um, whilst whilst everybody else is is focused on other issues so your faith in in amazon and in tesla and coming out of this crisis stronger than they went into it is is obviously intact but um but generally you seem to be um critical or, or skeptical of um uh, of of u.s leadership uh, both politically and in and in business and you see the the sort of influence of uh, the world moving towards uh, asia and china is that uh, are you investing more in the chinese internet companies and and the new generation of uh, companies that come behind them yeah, i think there are um there are lots of issues tied up in 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 that question um 
I think the first one is that there is simply a matter of arithmetic that um, the Western economies will likely shrink this year. Um, Asian economies will likely grow this year. Um, so with, without any kind of political viewpoint, you just see an acceleration in the relative economic importance of Asia and in particular China. Um, I think um, at another level, um, you know, we've, we've continued to see um, an incredibly rapid pace of innovation in, in the Chinese consumer sector. Um, and that you see that partly in the development of some of our existing holdings, companies like Alibaba, companies like Tencent, which are the commercial infrastructure of China, uh, but also in the emergence of new big companies coming out of that online ecosystem. Um, so, you know, to, take, to, to make some of that a bit more specific, you know, a company like Facebook as one of the dominant online networks in, in the Western world, you know, from a product perspective, they've been playing defense for, for really quite a period of time now addressing um, um, data security, privacy issues. Um, you know, the, the, you know you, the, the, if you look at the, the big innovations to come out of that company from a product perspective in the past couple of years, it's, it's quite hard to point to something. But the, the pace of change at companies like Alibaba and, and Tencent has, you know, has been really quite ferocious and if anything has accelerated through, through this, this period. Um, but likewise, if you look at the new companies coming through, we own Metuan Jiangping, um, a local services company in China. You know, they, they do meal delivery. Um, now compare the performance of that company to some, some, someone like Grubhub in the US. Um, you know, Grubhub has, has faced serious growth challenges. Meituan, um, in, in, on the other hand, you know, has come through a period of vicious competition, has emerged one of the, the victors, and actually that dominance now continues to grow. Um, they, um, Grubhub live, delivers about 500,000 meals a day in the US. Meituan delivers 20 million meals a day. It has economies of scale which are of, of, of a different order of magnitude to the, the ones from which Grubhub benefits. And so I think those are some of the trends that we're talking about that, 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 that um, are driving some of that Chinese progress. Okay. Can we move on to, to healthcare? Because uh, uh, investors in healthcare and the public are very aware there's a huge uh, amount of research going on to finding a cure and antidote uh, to COVID-19, obviously. But, um, and healthcare is, is an increasingly important area in the portfolio. But you, you seem to be, you, you were commenting that there actually didn't seem to be that many developments going on as far as you were concerned. Um, which would, did, did surprise me, given you know, the, the focus on the research around the pandemic. Um, what areas are you interested in? I think healthcare, and I, I put education, a lump education in with, with healthcare at this point. You know, these, these have been uh, industries which have been very resistant to technology-led change. And I think what's interesting about the current moment is that actually you're, you're having you're seeing change forced upon them. Um, you know, the, you, you, you're seeing schools trying to adapt to embrace digital tools to de, to deliver education um, virtually in a way that you know, would would have taken decades in, in other circumstances. Similarly, healthcare. You know, the, we we we've waiting for a while to see the rise of telemedicine and, and people stopping visiting um, um, primary care physicians in, in quite the numbers that they have. 
but it's taken a shot like this to to really drive adoption of some of those tools um, and so you know it'll be really interesting to see which of those changes stick um, over the coming uh, months and years and and which uh, just just reflect a temporary change in behavior because of the restrictions um, but it, you know it, it, it's all tied into this broader thing of, of seeing years of progress condensed into into weeks um that, that, that as you alluded to has been an important driver of what's happened in the portfolio um i think more broadly in healthcare you know uh, one of, one uh, of the, the sorry Gavin. oh go ahead carry on well i was just going to i was just going to touch on you know it takes some some a company like illumina that makes genomic testing machines you know it has been you know really quite a quiet year for Illumina, you know, the, the pace of growth and the uptake, uptake of this technology um, has, has, has been behind what we might have been expecting at, at this point. Um, but the other side of it, and you, you alluded to this in your question, you know, the, the whole response to COVID-19 is predicated around sequencing. You know, we've got to sequence the genome of the, the virus. That's you know, the, the pace of doing that is is just so much past, faster than it has been in response to past pandemics. You know, the, the fact that, that you had companies with um, um, vaccine candidates in the clinic in such a short period of time is completely a function of sequencing. You know, the, 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 um, the tests that we're doing for COVID-19 also rely on the prevalence of cheap sequencing. So I don't, I don't think anything that's happening affects our belief that sequencing is a really important technology for the future. Um, but it, but it equally, you know, you, you, we also have to face the reality that in, in, you know, in the delivered results of Illumina, it's probably not at this point growing as fast as, as we would, would have hoped. Okay, thank you. Now, as the investment trust continues to evolve, you know, one of the areas that you want to do even more in is private equity, investing in unquoted companies before they, they reach the stock market. Um, this has been an, a, an area in which you and uh, James have been uh, pretty focused on in, in recent years, and uh, about 20% of the assets are, are invested in is it about 40, 40 companies, private companies. But you, um, you've, you've got an existing limit of 25%, but you want to raise that to 30%. Um, why? Well, our aim is to invest in the best large growth companies in the world that we think have the best prospects over the next five or 10 years. Um, and it's really going back probably eight, eight years when we, we, we made the first one, sizable one of these investments. Um, based on the observation that more and more of these companies were staying in private markets for longer and that if we want to maintain our opportunity set, um, then, then we have to go looking at private companies. Um, these are not startups. They're not small companies. Um, you know, some of these, these private companies would be, would be the largest listed company in the UK if they were in the UK stock market. Um, you know, that, that example being, being financial, the, the, the Chinese finance company. Um, but, but, but the advantage of the investment trust structure is that we can, we can own these businesses regardless of whether they're public or private. In fact, it makes it very little difference to us. Um, you know, we're after the long run value creation. So if the most exciting, promising companies are private, we should, we should own them and, and not worry too much about that, that structure point. It's a great um, argument, but I just wonder, you know, that the, the, the private holdings have been steadily increasing and it plays well with the investment trust structure. You know, you're not ever going to be forced sellers. 
because of that closed end structure. But um, there is a sort of creeping sense that uh, you know private equity is becoming bigger and bigger. How how far are you going to go? Um, uh, Fifty percent uh, more. Um, I think um, what we're absolutely trying to avoid is is a sort of um, creeping against people's expectations. So. You know, if you if you go back a few years, we had no constraints on the amount that we could invest in private companies. Um, and then through a, a, a vote at the annual general meeting, we added this limit of 25%. Um, so that, that our shareholders um, had the opportunity to express their opinion on whether we should be doing this. And, and it gave them a, a clear marker as to what our expectations were. Um, as, as we have done more and more of it, had more experience, seen some of the returns, we've come to the view that, um, that we, we need a bit more capacity to do it. You know, we're going, the manager's are going to start to become constrained with the current limit. Um, and, and, but, but because of the structure we've put in place, we, we're going back and asking shareholders to raise that limit. So it's not a steady creep. It's very explicitly going to shareholders saying, we think this is adding value to you. We think this is really important. Um, we, we, we would like your permission to increase this limit. So there's no creeping. It's a very clear dialogue with the, with the investors in the trust. Okay, um, so and, look, and um, but there was a recently, um, this part of the portfolio was written down in value after the uh, substantial stock market declines in, in, in March. Um, the, the board of trust wrote down the value of these unquoted holdings. Um, it didn't say by how much, but I think analysts reckon it's around 6%, which was in line with the, with the stock market movements. Is that a, a fair comment? Well, the, the critical point here is that we, um, we keep these, val these, these, these investments on the books of what we think their current market value is. So we don't, we don't um, just hark back to the historic price that we paid. Instead, the, the, the accounting treatment is what, what you, our best estimate will be of what the transaction price would be today. So, if you see very steep declines in the value of listed assets, then I think there's a reasonable read through that you know, these, you know, these private assets, which are valued relative to their public peers, uh, ought, ought to see their value written down as well. Um, now, you know, we, we, we have to handle that very um, thoughtfully. We, you know, we're not, you know, we're, we think one of the challenges for public companies is they're operating in this environment of huge volatility in their stock prices and it potentially impacts their own investment decisions. So we don't want to be the mechanism of passing that volatility through to our underlying um, private companies. But, but, it's, um, but, it, but, but we, just, we, 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 we make sure that we have the, the asset values that we publish, the, 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 the underlying um, asset backing to our shares, um, is is as current a best estimate as possible of what what the value of those companies is. But can I just can I just clarify? Was this a um, sort of generic write down reflecting the the market crash, or were there company specific issues as well? Um, so we so we revalue um, on a rolling basis um, the the these assets every three months. Um, and if there is some trigger in between that, in, in the, that three-month cycle, um, then we will act upon that at that time as well. And so, um, so what, what you're talking about here is that the, the dramatic declines in the value of listed assets uh, was seen as a trigger in, uh, over and above the, the, this ongoing cycle of revaluing these investments.
um, and the, you know, what's going on elsewhere is sufficiently um, uh, material to trigger a, a re, an appraisal of, of, the, of these assets. We don't do it on a blanket basis. You look at the listed peers of the individual companies. Um, um, so, you know, the, for certain companies, it may be that, you know, I take, exa I'm, um, these, these aren't specific examples or even specific ones to the trust, but, you know, with, with, the, with what was going on in the market, you saw um, um, video conferencing companies like Zoom, their shares were doing very well, or biotechnology companies that were, were addressing infectious disease did very well when everything else was declining. So if you held those type of assets, you wouldn't necessarily write them down just on the back of a market decline. So it's being thoughtful about what the company actually does um, when the last valuation points were as well. Okay. And that's all, that's all done in conjunction with external valuation companies. Um, it has nothing to do with the farm managers. It's done by a, um, a valuation committee that is distinct from the farm managers. Um, and then you have the additional oversight of the independent board of directors of the trust. Okay. And are you uh, pleased with the fact that you do have a very, you know, there's 40 or so stocks uh, in that private portfolio and you're saying more and more uh, with each report a bit about how they're performing and there's quite a range uh, in performance. So uh, advertising agency, you and Mr. Jones uh, has been growing at an annualised rate of 26%, I read, since uh, you invested in it in 2015. But there are other uh, investments like Intarsia Therapeutics, that's down, that seems to have halved. But um, is, was that your approach, that you would get some winners and you're going to have some losers as well, and you didn't want to have, be too exposed to any one individual company? Yeah, the, I think, you know, we come back to what's, what's the aim of this, it's to own the best growth companies that we think have the biggest opportunities in the world. And, you know, we, we're taking calculated risk in doing that, you know, that not all of these companies are going to be successful at, uh, at embracing that opportunity. Um, otherwise, this would just be easy. But the, the, the crucial thing is that the returns that, that, that accrue to the, the companies that are successful um, will far outweigh the losses and the ones that ultimately don't, don't manage to capitalize on that opportunity. Um, and and that's, that's true in public markets, and it's also true in, in uh, private companies. So, uh, you know, we absolutely go into these ones not expecting that all of them will make money. And indeed, some we will lose money, some will, some, some will lose all our money. Um, but the returns that you get from the successful investments will, will more than pay for that. Um, and so, yes, you have examples like you and Mr. Jones. Um, this is a, an advertising agency business. Um, the, the, um, the founder, the former CEO of the listed um, agency, Havas, um, spotted this opportunity in helping um, um, enterprises uh, move their advertising campaigns and marketing campaigns onto the digital era to, ha to harness the tools of, of, um, of online commerce um, and, and has assembled this and, and, and astutely navigated this rapidly changing environment for advertisers. Um, and that's something that the corporate world has, has really embraced. Um, and so you know, there, there, were, there are examples like that or, or Ginkgo Bioworks in the, in the field of synthetic biology. Um, and, and, and there are companies um, like Intarsia that, that you mentioned that have, you know, they're, they're, have, have faced issues as they've tried to address the, the, you know, the opportunities they were presented with. Um, and that's, that's inevitable. Um, and we should just be upfront about that. When those companies do have problems, I mean, do you, if they, if they end up, you know, doing very badly, do you, um, do you just write them off completely? I mean, can you exit um, 
a private equity holding that goes wrong uh, or do you just have to hold it to the bitter end? I mean, I think that's why people, if they, you know, they've seen generally the overall performance has been good, but if they have any questions around this is that, you know, it is an inherent, inherently illiquid strategy. Um, yeah, so I think, and I think the first of all, you, 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 the challenge would be to say, well, what are you comparing it with? You know, if you own a listed company where things go wrong, do you, do you think the fact it's listed will allow you to, to get out before all that value has been destroyed? Um, you know, the, it's very likely that the vast majority of the wealth destruction will happen long before you have the opportunity to sell the shares. So um, really, you're talking about what happens to the residual. And, um, and the first thing to remember is, you know, in, in terms of the structure of returns, that really matters very little. You know, a, 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 a company that's, that's gone down a lot, the residual is likely to be a very small proportion of the portfolio. Whereas if you've had one of these things that's been successful and has doubled or tripled or, or more, then it's become a much larger part of the portfolio. So it's actually what happens to the winners that influences the, the end result much more than you know, what's, what's, what's happened to the, the assets that are in companies that have experienced problems. Um, but then I guess the, the, the subsequent point is, is absolutely correct. It's much, much harder, if not impossible, to get out of um, some of these positions, particularly when the underlying business is performing badly. Um, so you know, we, we, we just start on with that premise. Um, the good thing about investing in private markets is there's, there are often a lot more protections for shareholders than there are simply from holding ordinary shares that are listed on stock markets. Yeah, you know, you may sit further up the capital structure so that, that you, you um, as an owner, you will be paid out before other investors in, in those vehicles. Um, you know, the, the, and, and, and it may be that there are additional protections that protect you, you know, if, even if the, the, the value simply declines. Um, now, that's not why we invest in these companies. You know, as I say our focus is on you know, the, the potential upside, not protecting the downside. Um, but nevertheless, the, 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 the broad trend is you have a lot more protection than you would in a listed company. Okay, well, thanks very much for uh, talking about that part of the portfolio. Looking, uh, just getting towards the end of uh, my questions here, but looking more broadly at the portfolio, um, the, the chair of the trust uh, remarked today that you've made no specific changes in the portfolio in response to COVID-19. But can you tell us a bit more how you've been you know, stress testing? Uh, we've heard from Bailey Gifford elsewhere earlier this year that uh, you know, fund managers have been uh, you know, kicking the tires uh, on their investments, make sure that they, you know, the balance sheets are strong and everything. Uh, have you, you've been doing similar work, have you? Um, yes, yeah, so you know, if you look at the collection of companies that we own, um, they, they um, have a starting point of a, a very strong financial position. You know, the, the aggregate balance sheet of the portfolio is strongly uh, net cash, whereas if you look at the, the market as a whole, the, 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 there's, a, there's a significant net debt position. Um, and, um, but, 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 but nevertheless, when you sort of think about um, you know, achieve, um, capitalizing on these long-run opportunities, you know, the first thing you have to do is is to survive. So you know there there is of course this um, discipline of making sure that the, you know not not just on average, but it, but specifically each of the companies that, that you own, you know has has that ability to endure what are likely to be difficult conditions. Um, and then in terms of incremental capital deployment, it's 
is you know can, can you find opportunities to help companies to to get on the front foot and and exploit the opportunities that are put in front of them um, um so you know if you look at say, something like tesla you know we we Bailey gifford were you know supported their capital raising in the in the earlier months of this year which puts them in a really strong balance sheet position to um, push on and develop new products and um, um, compete for customer um, uh, new customers in this electric vehicle market. And what you're seeing elsewhere is retrenchment, um, cutting of investment plans, concern about balance sheets. You know, I think their relative position to the traditional automakers just gets stronger and stronger through this this type of environment. Okay, uh, Tom. It, it sounds like that you're, um, you know, very much trying not to get too gloomy about the world. Uh, lots of people are, you know, very scared by by, by recent events. Um, is, is that right? You're you're, you're seeing the positives um, out there through the um, gloom. I think that you know we we have to be very careful about making pronouncements that that we about what's going to happen in a in hugely uncertain environment and. And we remain absolutely in the in the teeth of this this crisis at this point. Um, but it's you know equally you know the, there is a real danger of ex, extrapolating from the immediate situation that we find ourselves in. You know, yes, it's scary. Yes, there are bad things happening. Um, but that doesn't mean that this situation is going to persist forever either. Um, and and you know, as we, we're 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 programmed to. Um, extrapolate from what what we can see around us in the immediate term, but but and 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 it's extremely hard when you're inside the bubble of this to to see beyond it. And um, but actually, you know, a very small amount of a company's value lies in what happens over the next three months or the next six months. You know, the value of that company is the present value of the ca the cash flows from the company into eternity. Um, and so, you know, yes, there's going to be stress and strains on the economy in the in the coming months and maybe even years. But actually, for the companies that um, are adaptable, that have financial flexibility, that you know are able to address um, what their clients and their customers need, you know, in this changing environment, the, the opportunities remain remain plentiful. Um, and that, you know, it ties back into some of your opening comments about why has the why has the trust continued to perform strongly through this current environment? It's because it's invested in the companies that that are able to to help their clients and their customers through what we're going through and then in, and into the recovery phase. Well, well, Tom, thanks very much for helping me uh, look beyond uh, the bubble of uh, COVID, and uh, uh, very interesting to to talk to you. So, uh, thanks for thanks for making the time.